0: Our series is called A Nation in Moral Crisis. And today we're going to focus on the source of the cure. Once again, join us. Truth for Today is coming up next. (laughs) From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our series, A Nation in Moral Crisis, continues today with a message called, Who is Running Your Home? And really, if we're to change the way our culture lives, we have to start with the way we live, right? That's what today's broadcast is all about. We've got a conference coming up at Valley Bible. We'll tell you about that at the end of our program, along with a few extra minutes with Pastor Phil in studio. It's all straight ahead. So won't you join us for a very encouraging look at today's broadcast of Truth For Today? Once again, Pastor Phil Howard.
1: Does the gospel change your home life? That's the issue. Does the gospel have any effect on how people live in a home? Before I read Ephesians, Uh, My my father was born 1908 in Cherokee County, Oklahoma. His father was born 1880. Uh, My grandfather, Howard, spent a year in prison for trying to kill a man in Wagner, Oklahoma. Got drunk in a card game, man tried to hurt him. My grandfather was quick with a knife, tried to kill him. And he spent a year in McAllister prison. Grew up with Jesse James and them because they had a place where the Howards lived called Hell's Bend, Oklahoma. You can figure out what that represents. A lot of hell was going on in the bend. A lot of bootlegging, a lot of outlaws. They had a circuit-riding Methodist preacher that came back once a month or six weeks if the outlaws didn't threaten. And he would ride in and hold meetings at a schoolhouse uh, where my grandmother took her children. Uh, but I asked my father because I romanticize uh, Oklahoma and all that like a Bible Belt, you know. And my dad said, "Oh, no, oh, no, 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 no Bible Belt. No outlaws, crooks, uh, mean country, uh, Indians, white men living and fighting together, all like that." I said, "Well, since you had so little teaching, I said, how did you ever know if anybody got saved?" I just had a pastor come and see me uh, this week. He says, can you tell if anyone gets saved? I said, not today's gospel. Nobody knows what a saved person looks like. No, no, because there's no change. You just, you never know. It's all a mental activity. I I believe no change. I asked my dad, I said, how did you know if anybody ever got saved back there? And he he said, oh, that was easy. And I said, well, let's say a man. How would you know if he got saved? Oh, easy, easy. I said, come on, come on, tell me, tell me. You didn't have any teaching? You didn't know Calvinism? How how did they really get saved? He said, oh, in our neighborhood, it was easy. Number one, their wives healed up. I I said, their what? He said, said, I said, their wives healed up. Men commonly beat their wives in those hills. He meant it. They healed up. And number two, bootleg money turned into milk money. Kids start being fed. And the daddy quit laying up drunk all weekend, so he couldn't even get in a crop hardly. He said, kids started being fed, tables started being set, and civil manners all of a sudden set up. I said, this all came from the gospel? Absolutely, it came from the gospel. Now, here's what we have today. Uh, several months back in Timothy class, I was teaching on what it means to have a father in a home since I had an all men's class. If you're a man interested in Timothy, since I don't know all the men in the, anymore in this church, I used to select everybody. Now I have open enrollment by signing up, but then you got to be interviewed and uh, there's where we'll eliminate you. If you're not a 20% giver, if you don't give us your social security number, we'll eliminate you. <laughs> so the interview is where the, the tougher. We want to know because we're not going to babysit you in there. I'm going to work you and whiners are not allowed and wimpies aren't allowed. So just don't even waste my time. But if you want to learn the word and you want to study and sweat, uh, then, then we'll have a great time. But if you don't, don't just uh, watch TV. But this is time to learn something. And learning is never easy because we're all prejudiced. We all come to the Bible making it say what we want it to say. But when you study, God might actually change your mind. He may change your mind. But I asked the men in that class, I said, how many of you men in this class grew up in broken homes? 50% did. Okay. Uh, How many of you men in this class... Uh, never felt fatherly affection towards you, about 50%, uh, the same thing, never felt affirmed by my father, felt any kind of family affection. Then I basically asked, probing, how many of you came to Christianity, maybe a first generation Christian, and just because you get saved, and I've had... Men tell me this, I've had them tell me as recently as last week, just because I'm saved doesn't mean I know what a Christian home ought to look like. I don't know what a dad ought to be doing, I never was fathered right, I, I never have the pattern, uh, uh, my mother wasn't treated right, uh, families with abuse, emotional, sexual, otherwise, we grew up with all of this, we don't know what normal looks like. But what is the template? Give me a, an outline. What does a Christian home look like? And here's the big shock. Hear me now. Just because two Christians live there doesn't mean it's a Christian home. Because it could still be run like the old patterns of your old life and the family life and its patterns that you brought over to your Christianity, a home run. I'm going to treat a woman like my dad treated my mother, good or bad. And the woman's going to get up her role, perhaps from their home. And so you you bring these two family systems together, and we got two people who profess to know Christ, and they may really know Christ, but they have no template, no outline. How are we supposed to work together? And it's not easy. So that we have many couples in counseling all the time, always struggling, said, wow, the gospel can save me from hell, but it can't save me from the hell of my marriage. My home isn't a little bit of heaven on earth. It's just the opposite. It's why so many of you never invite people to your home because it's not a good place to be. It's pretty bad when the worst part of your day as a man is having to go home, and the same with a woman. The worst part of my day is having to go back to my mate and live in the environment of a so-called Christian home. So uh, we're going to go to Ephesians, but let me lay some groundwork. There's an outline there for you. And I will just quickly hit some things that... um, We will, to set us up to look at what a Christian home is supposed to look like. But first of all, uh, you know, I think of all marriages. uh, Whether you're unsaved or saved, you all face the four big challenges of every marriage when you're living together. Uh, What are we going to do about finances? That's not an easy one. Is there any biblical patterns of uh, what, fine, who, manage, who pays the bills, who doesn't. And you will have to work all that out. I don't know that we have a, a, a sheet that comes down from heaven and says she ought to do it, he ought to do it. Uh, and every marriage, there seems to be one that has the gift of giving and someone else has got the gift of trying to hold on a little bit. Carolyn's got the gift of giving. Her life motto is you can't take it with us. I said, there's no chance of us taking it. <laughs> You're giving it to all the kids. Uh, and so, okay, you got that. You, you got to work that out. There can be a lot of tension. They say it's the number one tension in marriage today, money. Number two, communication. And, uh, you know, wait, communication. I love you, baby. Oh, that's kind of easy. It's working out. I disagree with your baby, and I ain't budging. Now what do you do? You mean there's disagreements in a Christian home? Are you kidding? The disagreements are you and her. Just when you two show up, there's differences of opinion. My wife is 180 degrees out from me. There ain't nothing about us that is similar. They say as you get older, as a couple, you get to looking like we don't even look like each other. (laughs) We are opposites. We truly are. Um, it just, I'll leave it there. She said she'd be working with the children's ministry. I said, it'd give me much greater freedom in delivery. So I'm glad she's over there. I ain't talk about her. But we're just the opposite. So when we come to life, uh, how do you communicate and work through the solutions? That's the biggie. When there's conflict, and there will be, it's normal, it's natural. Where? How do you work it out? And, Uh, And uh, let me tell you how many marriages work it out. It comes to this anger equation that goes this way. That in many couples, one is the more uh, expressive, maybe anger, uh, strong, uh, blow up, dominant. And we got this other person that may be passive or feels their only way to handle it is they go internal and they shut down, because uh, they feel like they're not being heard, they're not being appreciated, their opinion. But this dominant one thinks, I won, we're doing it this way. And then it triggers the third big problem, sex. Every couple's got to work that out. Some of you think sex is a number between one to seven, but there's really something called sex in marriage. And, and what's the problem? Well, what is it that couples that are really head over heels in love and can't wait to consummate the marriage, can't wait till they begin the physical part of the marriage, and then all of a sudden, all kinds of marriages come to a gridlock in the area of the physical and the bedroom, and it just shuts down. Well, why is that? Well, I think it may go back to communication. If I feel I haven't been heard, If I feel my opinion isn't valued, if I never get to get a sense of uh, I win too, and I'm just here to be told what to do when it comes to sex, I feel used. This is commonly the woman's feeling. Uh, And so sex doesn't represent romance. It doesn't represent uh, eroticism. It represents uh, just a biological urge. Uh, let's get it over with. It, it has no meaning. Because with men, sex does not equal love nor romance automatically. It just means biological relief. That's why men go to prostitutes. That, oh, I don't love her. I just wanted a quick fix. And the, the wife says, well, that's how you treat me? You just want a quick fix. You don't love me. I'm not stupid. You're just using my body. I'm easier than masturbation. So she's not supposed to figure that out, but she has. If I'm not valued in the front room, I won't feel valued in the bedroom. And you don't have to amen any of this stuff. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I don't, I've done my own research. and I've been married nearly 50 years. So don't, don't come up here and tell me. Any, don't, don't give me any notes. <laughs> and I, I've been counseling this church 48 years. 42. I know this. This is really true. And what happens with the woman, she stuffs and she stuffs because she's got this Rambo dominant wins every time. And what she does, and I've seen this, she'll sometimes try to come into counseling, tries to get help, but you can't get the men to come. Egomaniacs can't get counsel because you can't teach the know-it-all, everything. Guess what? This is what happens. finally, He comes home, he gets a note, or he hears something ticking, and he better not go in the front room, and she's gone. And I get this call from the husband, she's gone, get her back. No, I can't get her back. You drove her off. She only had one alternative, get a ticket, get out of town, because you weren't willing to solve the problems when she cried for help. She's had it. She's stuffed so long, now she's out of here. Boom, it's gone. And then, watch this. We we haven't figured out our, our philosophy of how we're going to handle money, how we're going to handle communication. Can we both win or does this one win? Then we can't figure out this matter of sex, which I see as really a thermometer of the relationship. It's not everything. Sex is no big deal in marriage if you're getting along. But it becomes that bargaining chip, it's the way of saying no. And you just say, honey, you're not with it. You're not. She's, and she say, you're absolutely right. I'm not. You can have my body, but you can't have my soul. You can't make me enjoy this. Because the internal part of me has to be, feel like I'm valued, that I'm worth something to do this function. Then, then, if all this is going on, guess what? I'm pregnant. I'm what? We get to bring some children to watch the fight. (laughs) They get to watch the fight, get a ringside seat, and watch you abuse her and her yell back at you and see them fuss over money, fuss over communication, and, well, maybe even get so public you may, hey, they're having a struggle in their love life. You never figure that out. But some, man, my mom and dad don't seem to like each other. And they said, I'm a nightmare. They had me in their sleep. <laughs> and so the kids, they're supposed to not figure out that this home isn't functional. What's going on? Well, let's start out by we are the result of a disastrous fall and rebellion all the way back to Genesis 3, and it unleashed all kinds of psychological and emotional hang-ups one toward another. Okay, Adam, you sin. This is God talking. And what are you running around for? What are you doing with those crazy fig leaves? What's going on? Well, number one, you didn't give me a gift You gave me somebody that led to my fall. Instead of a helpmate, she helped ruin me. Well, big boy, didn't you have a will? Where were you? Why didn't you talk her out of it? Well, you know, I'm susceptible to a woman's influence, but I am the head. I'm the leader, you know. The leader of what? I don't see any leadership at the tree. I see total abdication. Where did you lead? Why don't you say, don't Eve, don't. Don't be deceived. The serpent's lying to you. You can't act on your eyes. You can't act on this lie. Don't, honey. It it says it will kill us. Do you see any of that at the garden? No. Dumbo's watching. And Dumbo is you. Oops. Lord, she got me in a mess. You know, I'm a victim. Some get a good woman. I, I got Eve. At least there's only one. I can hear it. And then, and then, I, I feel naked. I feel guilty. That's why I got these fig leaves. Well, you never had guilt before. What? Where's this guilt come from? Guilt means I'm liable to penalty because I know I've done something wrong. And instead of getting right and running to you, I'm going to run from you. And besides that, I've got to look good in front of Eve. I guess the animals, the animals didn't care if they were naked or not. She's the only one that he needed fig leaves for. And you're running because you're hiding. Now, all this stuff comes over in our fallen condition that we're guilt-ridden people. We've got a sense of shame. There's things about ourselves we don't want anyone to know. Uh, we blame all oh, the blame game. We blame God. We blame others. We blame our parents. It, it goes on forever. You never get better till you stop blaming, but some rather stay sick and keep blaming. And then you invent all these cover-ups instead of going clean and just telling God, it's me. Now. Both husband and wife bring all this fallen condition to the marriage. And, uh, and you could say, fix me. Or forgive me, that's the way I am. But I'm not going to forgive you for the way you are. And here we go. You bring all this fallen baggage to a marriage. And besides that, just that, you bring centuries, centuries A bad family practice because you grew up in a fallen family and believe me, you didn't see infallible patterns. If you're in a Germanic home, uh, you saw the woman's to be seen and not heard. The kids had better jump and they better jump high and the dad is the autocratic dominant ruler. You're the Fraulein I'm Mr. in charge. If you grow up in an Italian home, you sure learn how to communicate. Get out of that nah, yeah, boom, bang. We're Italian. We get it all out. Great. Well, I'm English. Well, we learn to stuff well and lie good. We're all coping, coping with living with sinners. It is hard to live with sinners. Who is right? Who is wrong? where is the arbitrator
0: and of course from there we begin to really understand why the gospel is so necessary why the Gospel of Jesus Christ and Jesus himself is our chief arbitrator this is truth for today the Ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard. Today's broadcast is taken from our series called A Nation in Moral Crisis. Now, if you would like the sermon today's message was taken from, without any obligation, just simply call and request it, and we'll send one out to you. If you'd like the entire series, ask for it by name. A Nation in Moral Crisis, and for a gift of $10 or more, we'll send this CD set your way. Please bear in mind that the resource materials and the broadcast here on KFAX are available through your generous donation, your financial partnership with us as we continue the ministry of the gospel, again here on KFAX. So again, for a donation of $10 or more, for this month, we'll send you the entire four CD set. It's called A Nation in Moral Crisis. Here's how to get a hold of us. You can contact us toll-free at 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us by phone, toll-free, 855-833-9864. Or write to us, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules. The zip code is 94547. Well, once again, here in studio with us to shed some light on where we're at today as we take a look at our series, A Nation in Moral Crisis. Once again, Pastor Phil Howard. Phil, you know, as I think about it, we are a nation in moral crisis, but the question is, is it worse? Are we worse off than, say, the first century church some 2,000 years ago?
1: Well, in some ways, uh, yes, if we're talking about America and a uh, country that was home to those fleeing persecution and came with a certainly a god perspective uh we're not perfect by any means and so we've had great liberty a great work ethic and been ahead of so many nations but in a way uh our world is coming around to the world of the first century church Uh, the church was planted Uh, When Rome was in chaos, when Nero was falling apart, morals uh, had fallen to the gutter, the Colosseum was being entertained with people watching others consumed by lions and gladiators, uh, violence, criminality, Uh, and so in some ways it's always been bad. Uh, But we who are able to judge it by scripture says, Oh, America has gone a long ways from God and desperately needs the gospel, needs Christ to woo us back to the God that perhaps our fathers knew or didn't know, but take us back to God. It'll change our marriage, change our personal life, and hopefully change the culture we live in.
0: Well, as we learned a couple of Sundays ago, here on Truth For Today, as the family goes, so goes the culture. Thank you, Phil. And friend, thank you for joining us here today on Truth For Today. As we close out our broadcast, a couple of questions to pose to you. Have you ever wondered about our origins? Is the biblical view of creation accurate? And are you able to present and defend the biblical view of creation to your children or friends? Well, if the answer is yes, no, or maybe, I would encourage you to attend the Creation Conflict Conference with Dr. Bill Barrick, a former professor and director of doctoral studies at the Master's Seminary. Now, this conference will be at Valley Bible Church, April 11th through the 13th, Friday, 7 to 9 p.m., Saturday, 9 a.m. to 1230, and Sunday mornings, two presentations of the same material, 9 or 11, with a final session Sunday evening at 6 p.m. For the weekend Friday-Saturday sessions, admission is $10 for adults, $5 for students, and you can register at our website, valleybible.org. That's valleybible.org. This is an event for the whole family, so plan on attending and bringing a friend. And again, more information and registration can be found at valleybible.org. Thank you for joining us today. Until next week, God bless.